friends, future friends, haters, and ex-lovers. Welcome back to another episode of Crimes of the Heart. I'm your host, Rory Uphold. And if you're new here, this is a podcast where I take the wildest dating stories that I've ever heard and I turn them into true crime-like inspired reenactments. But it's also a podcast where I interview experts like sex therapists or relationship coaches, as well as people with interesting stories or perspectives on love. Next week, we'll be diving into a hilarious and cringy crime with one of TikTok's top influencers. But today, we're going to step into a conversation with someone who has lived almost the entirety of her life on what most people would consider the romantic fringes. Before I introduce today's special guest, I want to pose a question to everyone listening. What does a successful romantic relationship look like to you? And why do you think you feel that way? For a lot of us, I think a quote-unquote successful relationship is marrying the love of your life, never divorcing, and remaining faithful to one another no matter what. I mean, I'll admit, that's what I was raised with, and I can't help but feel like that is the bar that I'm trying to reach. And yet, I look back at some of my past relationships and how I've managed to maintain friendships with those exes, and I consider those to be some of my greatest relationships and some of my greatest achievements as like a human on Earth. No, we didn't get married, and no, we're still not together. But in my heart of hearts, I do not feel like those are failures. I, I really, really don't. I learned a lot from them, and we were and still are kind to one another, and I don't know, man, that just feels like a win, right? So then, why is it that we've been programmed to view relationships in such black and white terms? Today's conversation really has me thinking about the ways in which we've been programmed to think about relationships. You know, monogamy has always been the default gold standard, but why? And if non-monogamy makes you uncomfortable, I would challenge you to ask yourself, why? Where is that coming from? Like, what is the source of that discomfort? Is it judgment, jealousy, fear, insecurity? To me, those are fascinating questions. They're little threads that we can pull to get a deeper understanding of why we are the way that we are as people. And you know, my thread is gonna look very different than what your thread is. But some of the things I'm thinking about as we head into this conversation are, why do we as a society seem to value married couples over unwed couples, even when the latter have been together longer? And what kind of security is exclusivity actually offering us when the statistics on cheating and divorce have literally never been higher. And why is it that we seem to think of sex as the barometer for fidelity when <laughs> there are so many ways in which people can be unfaithful to each other with their clothes on? I have no agenda here. I don't care if you're monogamous or non-monogamous. I want everyone to find their own version of happiness. But I also believe that our beliefs are often fortified in the moments in which we question them. So I ask you, dear listeners, to think about your views on love and how or why you've arrived at those expectations. And if you rated the show five stars and dropped me a review, thank you. I share a lot of my reviews and I recently got one from someone named Mood Fixer who said this, I am also a podcaster. My podcast is about breakups and making better choices in relationships. I love this podcast. She has great guests. Mm. <laughs> 
She is creative and funny. Oh my God, tell everyone. She helped me get through my last breakup and inspired me to do my podcast. Great work, Rory. Whew. So I'm not sure who you are, but I need you to know that you made my week and I'm so happy to hear that you've healed and that you've also decided to channel all that heartbreak into creating a podcast. Love, 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 love. I'm just sorry that I don't know what it's called so that I can't give it a listen. And for everybody else that is still holding out on giving me five stars or dropping a review, what are you waiting for? It literally takes like less than a minute. I don't think you can do anything in less than a minute. All right, I digress. Without further ado, today's special guest is a triple threat. She's a singer, a dancer, and an actress that made her Broadway debut at 17 years old. She's a six-time Broadway actress who made her Oscar debut in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story as Graziella and her TV debut in FX's critically acclaimed Fosse. She's also a Taurus, an only child, and ethically non-monogamous. I'm talking about none other than Miss Paloma Garcia Lee. <laughs> Welcome to Crimes of the Heart. Yay. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I guess right out the gate, how do you identify? As a human on this planet? As a human, <laughs> as a dating single person on the planet. Yes. Um, I identify as human, surprisingly. Yep. Uh, a human woman. <laughs> I am single. I am polyamorous. My pronouns are she, her. And that's kind of the current identification sticker I have with myself. Cool. Cool. Former alien. Former, former alien. married, former polyamorous, married with a husband and a boyfriend, but now a single human. Do you identify as bisexual or? I do. Okay. Uh, though I've been like sort of unpacking that term for myself, realizing mm. that when I discovered that I was bisexual, I actually first thought that I was lesbian when I was like 12 or 13. I thought I only liked women at that point and kind of thought that that was going to be it for me. I told all my friends that. I was very, like, secure in that at that young age. And then I started liking boys, too. But at the time, you know, pansexual wasn't really a phrase sure. that was being used then. No. And then also I just heard, what is, like, mental attraction sapiosexual? Mm -hmm. So I find myself I'm, like, a pan-sapio-bisexual. <laughs> if I guess I can combine all of those things. Yeah. And, and poly. And poly. So... A multi-hyphenate. I'm a multi-hyphenate out here. In these streets. Totally. So before we jump into all of this, what do you define as a relationship? Like, what's a relationship to you? Mm. I've actually been talking about that and writing on that. I've been talking about ships a lot mm. and like how relationships and just like the ship of it all yeah. can vary in so many different ways. For sure. So I just kind of find it the, what did I write? I was like, the vibe between any number of humans. And my friend was like, that's too vague. Yeah. I was like, well, Narrow it down. Yeah. I was like, well, it's like kind of what it is. You know, obviously romantic entanglements. Are we talking romantic relationship? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say any commitment between any number of people and any of those number of people decide what that looks like romantically. Okay, so Vague. for you, no, 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 <laughs> that, that does put, that starts to put a little box around things. So the thing that defines, say, like you and me right now mm -hmm. from not being in a relationship is that we haven't we don't have a commitment to one another in that it's not necessarily defined by sex or by exclusivity or by any of those things. It's more about the specific commitment you're making to that specific person. I think so. OK. And I think that's so specific because I think a lot of people and there there is no right or wrong in this. 
But the fact of adding sex into something mm-hmm. then makes it a romantic relationship. I think when... that's the default. Yeah, totally. And I, I don't think I subscribe to that. I've been long-term relationships that are sexless for one reason or another for a period of time, but that doesn't make the relationship any less romantic. Mm. And I've had plenty of friends who I've slept with who done I don't currently or vice versa, but then mm. that doesn't make it a relationship in like romantic terms. So it's kind of like either way, sex has never been the defining factor for me. Though I will say with my thinking on it, I do like to find like verbal commitment and verbal agreements with yeah. romantic partners yeah. versus like the situationship. You know, oh, that is course. like reigning supreme right now where it's like, let's not talk about anything. And one of the parties is assuming everyone's dating and the other is like absolutely not. And we're single. exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So you told me once upon a time that you've never identified with being monogamous. Yeah. And I, I would love to talk <laughs> about that because I don't know if it's how I'm wired, how I was brainwashed or who I really am. <laughs> sure. But I think I've only ever identified with being monogamous and then I've experimented and it has gone badly. It sometimes do. It I mean, I think I'm that. I think I'm the closest I've ever been to non-monogamy now, but I think that's okay. just because I'm the least available I've ever been. I see. Okay. If that makes sense. It's so interesting because I do, I find monogamy has been kind of now presented as the societal default. A hundred. A hundred. it just never had to be. Even if you look back, like way back in history, it wasn't always. And like we see even like biblical examples of men having multiple wives and we kind of just like and glaze over and that. And men. Yes. Totally. I mean, exactly. And the church like really loves to glaze over that. And I always thought that was so interesting of being like, wait a minute. Hmm. Okay. But as far back as I can remember with myself, again, I think first off, not necessarily understanding who I was the most attracted to when I was younger. Sure. But then also I grew up in this progressive family. Both of my parents are artists and no one was really pressing me to answer those questions. Mm. So my parents are in a long term monogamous marriage. They both identify as straight. It's a very, um, you know, heteronormative, very normal, successful relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And so it wasn't. But then also growing up with their artist friends, my first babysitters were two gay men. And so, like, I just always had these other examples of things being very, very normal Mm. from a young age. And I'm so grateful for my parents exposing me to that because it just allowed me this mass freedom of like, I liked girls, I liked boys, you know, and I wasn't, you know, though my parents are very supportive of me, it wasn't always that I was that open with discussing this with them. Sure. But they they certainly allowed me the freedom to. And I went to boarding school. So I was homeschooled also. So like it it just keeps going. going. (laughs) So I was also homeschooled and I'm an only child. Yeah. So there was this bubble that really allowed me this sense of creating my own version of things in a specific way. Which I'm yeah, so... you were also shielded from a certain amount of judgment yes. that I think a lot of us who went to public school or private school or whatever, went to school with other children, yes. did not get. Totally. And I yeah. think there are pros and cons whenever people ask me about it. I'm like, the pros are it really allowed me this like awesome space to be who I was without judgment. Mm-hmm. My parents were so supportive. Well, deferred judgment. Yes. Deferred, deeply deferred judgment. Because I bet that transition was really hard. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. For so many reasons. Yeah. And yeah, but I also wasn't exposed to a lot of other ways of thought. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to boarding school, so a homeschooled only child who then goes to boarding school at 14 years old, my roommate had to teach me that like other people had opinions and those were like valid. Other people had thoughts, too. And like had ways of doing things. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, that's crazy because that's not what I think. And that's wild. So it must be wrong. But I, she was so generous with me. She's like a sister. And um, she really taught me how to share and how to open my mind. She was so uh, generous. She had a sister yeah. and a brother. So she was very, very good at that. But anyway, 
it's just so funny to think back. And my first proper boyfriend when I was at school, at boarding school, we were monogamous. Oh. Which is wild and crazy. Wild and crazy. 15, that's the last time I was monogamous is I was 15 years old. And, and we I don't together. know what's crazier, that you your first relationship was monogamous or that that was also the last time you were monogamous. Totally. And it had the best experience. Best first boyfriend. Wow. Um, we actually have been like recently kind of back in touch with each other. And I remember texting him a few years ago being like, thank you for being the best first boyfriend Aww. ever. He was a little bit older than me, but just held my hand so beautifully through so many firsts. Mm. And he was just so great. And I don't know if everyone always has that experience. Top to bottom, he was fantastic. But I don't really remember at the time. I think I was just so enamored with him that it was less of a like monogamy by structure. And it was monogamy by like, I'm so madly in love yeah. with this boy and going through all those firsts with him and virginity loss and all of those things. Yeah. I was just, oh, I don't need anyone but him. And that was that. But I didn't think anything of it. But I guess that's really the – and then when my husband and I started dating years later, we decided to be monogamous by choice for the first few years we were together, always with the intention to open up mm. um, and explore an open relationship. But Wow. Okay. So then you dated men, you dated women, and eventually you met your husband. But by that time, you knew that you were not going to – like, even though you were willing to get married, you were not willing to be monogamous. You had already come to that conclusion in your life. I had. And I think that conclusion came from a few different sources. I always uh, ask myself, do I think that polyamory is an orientation? Is it a choice? Are you born this way? Are you, is this nature versus nurture? What is it? Yeah. And I, I don't have the answer for that with myself, though I know I've always been inclined towards non-monogamy. I've always been attracted. And I think it's very human to be attracted to more people sure. um, at a time, not just one. But then I always like the second quick follow-up question for me ever since I was little was like, why can't I then be with multiple people at the same time? And as long as everyone knows, mm. what is the problem? And I didn't have I didn't have a young polyamorous example or anyone who kind of showed me that that question was just always the quick follow up Interesting. Um, in it. And I always had a fascination with relationships and the how and the why on that. But, you know, I met my husband. So my first boyfriend is when I was 15. Yeah. And then I ended up meeting and starting to date my who then became my husband at 19. All of this happened very young for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that like I'm dating throughout my 20s. I met him at 19. I got married at 22 and spent all of my 20s with him. So well, I not just him. Not just, well, but, truly, and not yeah. just him. Yeah. But like, so in that period, probably between 15 and 19, lots of experimenting, lots of exploring, none of which was exclusive. I also had insight into, I really started noticing, of course, when you're like a late teen, how much infidelity is in relationships. Sure. And that really blew my mind. So I was like, actually, lots of people are in a non-monogamous relationship. They just don't know it. Yes. Or they do know it, but their partner doesn't know it. So lots of, you know, and there were a few very formative marriages that I saw where the husband had a mistress. Mm. And obviously she knew he had a wife, but the wife didn't know this was happening. The wife didn't know he had a mistress. And that I'll probably write a book on all of that one day, just like really getting an insight into a few situations like that of like, so she, she is willingly in a non-monogamous relationship mm -hmm. that he has structured. And really the only person who's not is the, is the spouse who doesn't know. Yeah. And I was like, wow, 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 wow. How interesting. Now, would the wife be willing, you know, and of course, like so many people are like, they would never go for it or it's better, you know, don't ask, don't tell. I think or, there's a lot of don't ask, don't tell, especially in our industry. Oh like, my gosh. There's a lot. Totally. How did you not get your feelings hurt? I think there's two major things that come up with being poly. And one is 
jealousy. Totally. And the other is feelings hurt. So like in the example that you just laid out, I have often been the wife. I mean, I haven't been married, but mm -hmm. I've been cheated on multiple times. Right. And it's so hurtful. Oof. You know, it's hurtful because like I signed up for one thing and then was lied to repeatedly. Oh and God. I think when I pull things back, sex is an act. It can be very intimate, but it is not what a relationship is. It's a part of the relationship. Totally. I think what hurts the most is the person actively lying, yes. actively concealing parts of their life. That's what hurts the most to me. Of course. Yeah. Of course it does. And especially in those circumstances, like people create and we see it, people have experienced it, whole other lives, whole other universes. Yeah. And like one of the marriages that I was able to really witness from close circumference was truly like he had a whole nother life with someone else that his wife did not know about. And what a wild thing to witness. And I'm actually saying all of these things right now, just to preface, no judgment. Just the human study of it is so fascinating to me that we are capable of that, that people are capable of that. And then going and looking in their beloved's eyes that they've made these commitments to mm -hmm. monogamous commitments, which they didn't have to. Because yeah, obviously, nobody forced them to do that. Yeah. And obviously there is another option if they have other needs or desires but they've made a commitment monogamously mm -hmm. and then are able to look in someone's eyes and lie and then look in this other person's eyes and create a whole nother universe for them. Like the pain is just and the lying betrayal is so horrendous. It's awful. It's yeah. awful. I'll say a, I got a Ph.D. in it. <laughs> that I am a pro. Crazy is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. By that logic, I'm a full blown nutso. I've been cheated on so many times. Oh, my God. At what point am I going to wake the fuck up and go, something's not working? I will say that I am the most jealous person on earth and I've had my feelings hurt so much. So I am not. This is why I debate with myself that I actually think that I was like born Polly, because I think that if I could choose, which I also believe that I could choose, I feel like I would be sacrificing something within myself, but I could still choose it. I do think there is a simplicity to monogamy that serves in a very specific way. And being Polly opens up the biggest can of worms that like seems to then only those worms then are poly and multiply mm -hmm. and like the worm can just keeps going for forever. So it really forces you, it forced me, I'll speak for myself, it forces me on the daily to look at my jealousy, to look at my attachment habits, to look at why I think I can control or own anyone. Mm -hmm. And it makes me confront those consistently, which is exhausting. So like, why am I choosing that? But I also think that it's making me, my higher self loves that quest of really trying to detach in those ways. I'm literally like a homeschooled only child Taurus. I'm like, what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. Well, that does. OK. <laughs> yeah. So then can you give me a situation in which you feel the safest romantically? Mm. What's your romantic safe place? Probably the one that I was in that I'm not sure I could recreate if I tried. Mm. So I was married to my husband and I had a long term boyfriend and we were in a closed V for a very long time. And for those who don't know, so we weren't a throuple. The boys weren't involved with each other. They were both solely with me. And the three of us kind of created a little family. And something about that unit, something about having two partners. And a lot of people like chuckle at me being like, no shit, having two partners would be so great. But something about that for I me don't know, felt it seems like, like a lot of fucking work. It was so much work. It was so much, so much scheduling. <laughs> yes. Yes. And work and yeah. work in many ways. And like the Google Docs and the shared calendars and the scheduling. But my probably my safest place has been with those two partners. And I'm discovering for myself now not being in that structure anymore and kind of facing singleness for the first time since what I was 19. Or, yeah, 19, if not before, because I was always kind of with multiple people at the same time. And right now I don't have anyone who identify as a partner of mine. 
And that is wild. That is wild. Yeah. Um, and a lot of growth is coming from it too, of course. But so I guess I'm discovering now what that safe place will look like. Okay. Interesting. Like <laughs> for for example, for me, I think my safe place is finding one person and growing with that one person. That said, I mean, I don't know. I We've talked about this. I, I, I attempted an open relationship and I think I did it in quotes wrong. I mean, like, I think the, the reality is a relationship is whatever you make it. Totally. Always. You know, my marriage is my marriage. My my relationship is my relationship. Yours is yours, et cetera. But I was in a, <laughs> this is before Polly was like so mainstream, <laughs> an open relationship where when we were together, we were together. And when we weren't, we weren't. I see. Okay. And that was about as much definition as we had. So it's not surprising that I found myself really jealous. Totally. And I think that it bred a sense of competition with huh. other women that was unhealthy. Sure. Did you guys have rules in any way, shape, or form, or was it truly as vague as that? It was also like we didn't use protection, but he mm -hmm. was supposed to and I was supposed to with other people. Like that was like, I guess, the only other rule. Understood. Interesting. By choice, were, were there any moments? That it was a long distance situation, so I think it was partially that. Did you have to tell each other or could you do what no, you... No, we didn't have to tell each other. Oh my God, my brain would go crazy. Yeah, I girl, would lose my mind. That was not great for me. Totally. Because like, well, also like what's worse? People say, because then people are like, I don't want to know. But then your brain is going to make up probably worse the stories. Wor oh, always, always. Than what could ever be. Also, I'm a writer. I mean, oh. shit. <laughs> I'm going to come like, up with and like... this is what's happening. Yeah, I know. This is what's going on. <laughs> yeah, that's taxing. It was taxing. But then I also felt myself clinging to this idea of I'm the primary or I'm the mm. first. Like he yes. loves me the most or I'm the most important, which I don't know if that's common, if that's healthy, if that's normal. I know that the language is primary, secondary, right? It can be. It can be. And then there's the non-hierarchical relationships as well. Oh, okay. I, like you, cling to and I'm trying to learn to not. But definitely, like, of course, in my situation that I had, I was his wife. Mm -hmm. And wife offered such security to me and a big added security of him being able to then go play with others once he started doing that mm -hmm. because I'm his wife. And that didn't bother you? Well, it did. Well, <laughs> it did. But again, the like the did of it, <laughs> the bothering of it is something that I really feel by choice. I was like, this is good for me. Like, I need to learn how to work through this. I need to trust. And especially like I was in a situation, I was very, very lucky, both the men that I was with, just like outstanding, honest, honest, radically honest men sure. that I knew everything. And so it was a huge act of trust for me of being like, I know I'm not being lied to. I'm actually being told the, the most the truth, most truth, the most truth. Yeah. And, you know, and especially with how we did it, we had like signed Google Docs. I like, talk about the end, the complete antithesis of what you had. Yeah. I had like signed Google Docs and like rules written out and shared notes on the phone. I think and that's great. It was great. But then it also I forget which book it is. Of course, I'm like the biggest bookie on all of this as well. You have to leave error room for error of the human heart. And of that's hard because then it's like when you so say as a hypothetical, right, we agreed that you wouldn't have sex. Mm -hmm. But then in the moment. You do. You do. Yeah. And then there is like a, a level, level of empathy that should be present in that moment, that could be present in that moment. But me in a jealousy spiral is then like, but you signed this Google Doc saying you wouldn't. Right. And it's like, well, OK, well, things got out of hand and I'm telling you this right now. And I'm sorry that I broke this, but it was good experience in this, that or the other. And it's like those are those were very interesting moments. 
for me to be like, but I'm going to sue you. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I'm taking you to court because you signed here. That's um, hilarious. But like, and also just so silly, but so real. So real. Yeah. I guess that is fascinating. I mean, that why do you continue to sign up for things that hurt you? But then again, what did I just say? I continue to sign up for monogamy and it hurts me. Totally. And that's why I think there's no right or wrong. And it is poly is so mainstream now, but I do continue to find the word is the practice is not. Um, I'm running yes. into so many people that are like, I'm poly. And then I'm like, awesome. What does that look like for you? And it's like, well, I just sleep with whoever I want. And I'm Whenever like, I want. Ooh. And yeah. that's so dangerous for the word. It's dangerous. Like, I hate to sound this way, but it's like dangerous for the community. It's dangerous for the people that are really ethical in it. Mm -hmm. And that do take the time to ask the questions further of like, you know, there's also just being single. Sleeping with whoever you want doesn't, you can also, you can identify as single poly, but there's, you know, I, I believe in the differences of these things of like polyamory for me is multiple loves. That's multiple relationships. Right now, I'm not in any, in any. So yeah. I'm single. But at mm -hmm. one point you were in three. Yeah. Very real three different relationships yeah. that you treated the way that I would treat one. Yes. And especially the three was, I think three was about two the months. The of time. But the two, we did that for six years. Yeah. And that was, yeah, fully fleshed out relationships, vacations, holidays. Together. Together, separately. And that navigating, especially for my ex-husband and I, it's amazing. I can say that we're very good friends now. He's about to come out to California to visit me. And through all that we've been through and all of those negotiations, and he's just the most generous, wonderful, smart, empathetic man, we grew so close going through those learning curves and learning bumps together mm -hmm. and it was not pretty and i don't want to paint to anyone that it is pretty these were scream crying on the floor this was i need two days alone to process you know this was it was really hard but i think both of us really believe that for the most part it was really worth it for the growth that happened on both of our sides and we both came out of it you know he's in a relationship right now i'm not sure if they identify as open or closed sure but we carry these tenants forward and so many of the tenants, I mean, these are just like basic human things of communication and honesty and cultivating. So many monogamous relationships would benefit from like, sit down with your person and design what you want. Yeah. What, and what does monogamy look like? What does cheating look like? Some people are like, oh, if my partner looks at porn, that's cheating. Some people are, if you're flirting with a girl at a bar, that's cheating. Mm -hmm. Some, it's just the sexual act. Right. But is kissing someone, like what is... We have to define these things because each person defines them uniquely and differently. And I think kind of if people take the time to read some literature and come from the non-monogamous world, monogamy will thrive in a new way. Too. I fully agree with that. Yeah, yeah, because I do think that there is a lot left in the gray, oh. partially because it's just not been asked of us. And then because I think sometimes it's really scary to say, hey, looking at porn is cheating to me. Please don't do that. Totally. And while that is not something that I personally, that's not something that I actually feel defines cheating to me. What I would is I think if I'm dating somebody who is constantly in a text or DM relationship with another woman, mm -hmm. I don't care if you ever kiss or not. What are you doing? Right. Sure. Now, maybe you're friends and that's different. But like that emotional oh, flirting right. that's happening on a regular basis got to go. Yeah. And but and that exactly is like to be then so defined between two people, but we risk putting our boundaries forward, then we risk loss. Yeah. And Esther Perel talks about that a lot about being like, if you want a relationship with that person, like you just have to really go through in your brain, like 
me bringing anything forward Mm -hmm. is a risk to lose that person. And also, yeah, like how strong are your boundaries? Like you said, you know, sex was off the table and and one of your partners crossed that. Mm -hmm. And then you chose to, I'm assuming, continue the relationship. Yep. Should be hard for me. Totally. I'm I'm really like I have a lot like I have trust issues. And if you cross the trust issues, it's really hard for me to get back in the game. Totally. But I think then it's like the on the flip side, I have crossed those too. It's like mm. in the same exact way, I've overstepped on a contract as well. And so that's where extreme empathy comes into play of being like true faults of the human heart. Because it's like if he had gone out and slept with someone random on a night that we hadn't spoken about X, Y, Z, so many things, I think I'd feel so differently about it. But it's like everything else was, you know, and again, not that we didn't get in a huge fight about it or any of those things or vice versa when I've overstepped. But it's like everything else is so in line that you're like, okay, I see in that moment. How this happened. Yeah, how this happened. And of course, like, I think something that gets very tricky is like you go out on a date, Mm -hmm. you have four or five drinks or whatever. You know what I mean? You're drinking, you're living. Heard of it. Oh, yeah. I've I've heard of booze. I've heard of it before. (laughs) But also, you know, we talk about like NRE, new relationship energy. Mm -hmm. You're sitting in front of someone that you're infatuated with. You're really attracted to. The chemicals are swirling. And it's like, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, gosh, I forgot to text you. Oh, God, I'm three hours late. Time just flew. I was with this person. I know I said I'd be home at midnight. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That was always my issue is losing track of time. Always. Always. And that was such a pet peeve. Of course. And of course it was. Of course it was. I'm living yeah. with someone and I'm saying I'm going to be home at one and they're trying to go to bed and then they're like, are you safe? And it's like, you're not texting like, me back. Where the F are you and yes. what are you doing? And are you safe? And yeah. any of these things. And then me being like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And so it's like you really start learning um, and only through experience and only through messing up how many times for my own self, for my relationship. Then you start being like, okay, I have to literally set an alarm on my phone for an hour before I have to go so that I'm clocking and a half hour before. And that may be very annoying to the person who I'm on a date with. Or it may be really annoying to tell them that like I have to step out and call my husband and check in because I said that I would. Yeah. And then you but like then you start interestingly being able to weed out people who would eye roll at that. And then you're like, ooh, maybe you are not meant to be in my world because yeah. that is a reality of my world. Totally. And if I'm going to be, wouldn't you want me to be respectful to you the way that I'm being to him? It's just like there are so many interesting rules, boundaries, things that you learn by necessity that you bring forth out of fear, mm-hmm. rules that start like grip clinging. And sure. then you start releasing being like, you know what? That's not so scary. I don't, yeah. So Crazy. Is the, so was the desire that chasing that dopamine hit of that new relationship energy? I mean, I guess after six years being with your boyfriend and 13 with your husband, like that fades. But I feel like listeners are going to, listeners who are not in ethical non-monogamous relationships are going to wonder why, like, what is it that you're seeking out or what is it that you're not getting from your husband? Totally. And I think that's such a common question. And I find for so many people, they're like, you know, there are so many like, don't open up your relationship to try and save. I agree with that. Your other one. I do too. And then I've also seen examples of where like- it's worked. Where it's worked. <laughs> and that's why I think it's of course, so like, of we can't prescribe for others. And this is such a self journey mm-hmm. and a partner journey. So I don't believe in experts. I don't think Ugh. there's a love expert. I don't think there are relationship experts. I mean, we can call them that, but, and there are people that I think, you know, Esther Perel, I think there are philosophers who have such great insights. Totally. But anybody that's going to try and tell you that they know the way is full of shit. A hundred percent. Yeah. I always called them perspective experts. Yeah, that and makes sense. And it's like, from this perspective, they are studied and well-read enough on this or experience experts where you're like, yeah. okay, you've been in 
poly relationships for X amount of years. Yes. Tell me what you've yes. learned. But yeah, it is. It's so specific. And it's like, you know, when people are like, there's no one else like you on earth. And it's like, that's like true. And then there's no one else like your partner and then your other partner or however. Mm-hmm. But it's truly, I don't know if it, for me, it never came out of a lack, though at times you could say my boyfriend had qualities that my husband didn't have. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed those differences. Now, I never really looked at that as lack from my husband, Mm. but just really different. And especially once they and they weren't innately friends. They were friends by circumstance for sure. And then worked on kind of a brotherhood with each other and became friends. Sure. Um, And now actually, I actually don't speak with my ex-boyfriend anymore, but my my ex-husband and him do. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, wow, that relationship has sustained, which is so cool. Yeah. But so there were big differences in them, which was really helpful, I think, for them with jealousy because they were so different from each other that it wouldn't be like oh, is this person better in this way than me? They were just so different. Right. I know for some with lack, then you can find, especially like in the kink community. Yeah. Like if someone- Well, that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I don't want, I'm not interested in this. Please go find this with someone else. I can't provide that. It was, you know, I had other experiences. I didn't date anyone else in that time, Mm -hmm. um, but I had other kind of like short-term encounters and deep permission to flirt, which was huge for me. I'm a very flirtatious person and that had always been seen as bad and negative. And then I met two men who loved that quality in me so much and who were so supportive of me being flirtatious with others. And whether that lead to like kissing them at the end of the night, if that was the vibe or something like that, I explored much more in my energetic sense than in Mm -hmm. my sexual sense. Mm -hmm. And just that freedom alone, because also like, to be honest, when you get the freedom to go out and do whatever you want, of course, you're kind of like, don't do it as much. Yeah, you're like, well, Cool. Or if you know, then I smoked way more weed when it was illegal than than when it's legal. Totally. Well, and it's also like when you know you have to like report back in a specific and not report back. That sounds so heavy. But like in our relationship, we always told each other. Of course, that was part of your relationship, your rules. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We had to do preclearance as well. Like we couldn't just like follow where a night went and then report later. So then you also start being like, what's worth it? And so then it's really interesting when you're with someone, you're like, okay, I'm attracted to this person. Is this worth me having two for me? I have to, if I was away or even, I was like, I have to go talk to my husband about this. And get then I have to, to clear it. Yep. And then I have to go talk to my boyfriend and get him to clear it. And then I'll come back and right. be like, okay, what can, or like, what does that look like? And also at that point, you're literally like, I'm booked with these two other boys 90% of the time this week. So here's my two windows I have to give you any time. And you, someone just had to really be worth it. I feel like that way now with no one. I'm How not great. kidding. That's no, I know. Beautiful. But like, that's, that's, I do relate to that feeling that like what is worth it what is Mm. worth if you're going to disrupt my peace or i'm going to bring you into my world or give you some of my energy yes whether that's just emotional sexual whatever i want it to be worth it totally and i did not feel that way for the majority of my life yeah and i think that's a learning curve for so many of us in whatever way that sort of presents itself Mm -hmm. because it is it's like as we get older it's like my time is precious and also i don't We've been through so much pain Mm -hmm. that I'm not looking to like easily sign up for that. Sure. Of course, pain is inevitable. And I believe with great love comes great hurt and all of those things as well. But it's like, yeah, I really am vetting people in a different way. But it was interesting to do it then as well, because, of course, a lot of people were like, oh, you're just going to go do whatever you want. And I'm like, well, no, because I don't know if it's and it's also I don't know if it's worth missing a night with my boyfriend or missing a night with my husband. Right. Like if I have to schedule someone else in that week, you have to like, like, wow me, please. Yeah. Like, please, yeah. please be so exciting and do something so cool. So do you want kids? I do. Great. OK. <laughs> I can't wait to I want to know what you think that's going to look like or and also I want to know about finances with being married mm. and also with your boyfriend and how that 
I know, again, we're going to say this a million times, but every relationship is different and just like every polyamorous relationship is not the same. Like, you know, I know a ton of people in open relationships and they're all very, very different and they all have very different rules. But at least for you specifically, what did the financial aspect look like? And was that autonomous or were there also rules to that? It was sort of interesting. I guess I haven't thought about that in a while. So my boyfriend, so my husband and I lived together. Yeah. And my boyfriend had his own place. Mm -hmm. And so my husband and I shared our finances in the way that we did, which was kind of like we had our own credit cards. We would put towards relationships together. We both worked on Broadway, so we had the same income, same salary and all of that. Sure. Um, So we pretty much split our life 50-50 as need be with that. And then for like holidays and stuff like that, we'd pretty much just go in on thirds. The three of us would just split if we all went on vacation somewhere or if we were all doing a meal or something. We would really just try and keep tabs on evenness Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. that and contributing in that way. But also like my husband and I would cover things sometimes for my boyfriend because that just seemed to be like the easier way or dependent, you know. Sure. Okay. That seemed that was never money never was an issue for us. We very briefly spoke about, especially towards the end of the relationships, me having kids with both of them. And it was a really interesting topic of discussion. We didn't get too deep in it. We were like, would this look like us living together? What does living together full time look like for the three of us? Would that be three? We each have our own bedrooms. And then I skip hop around (laughs) for like what I want my evening to be or whatever. Because of course, after I think after five years, my boyfriend was like, it would be nice to have like consistent nights with you. Of Mm. course, five years later and you're not living with the person or having consistent sleepovers or anything like that. So we started having one or two nights a week that I would spend at his house, which was lovely, but also so interesting for me because sometimes it's like that wasn't always the most convenient thing. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't have a full copy of all my stuff at his place. And oh, that was that was such an interesting schedule. Was he thing. ever seeing other people? Towards the end, both of them were were seeing other people as well. Okay, okay. And that was not to the demise of it or anything like that. But I think for both of them, we all went through some like really wild and traumatic experiences together that we really yeah thirteen six years. I mean, this is we're talking about very long periods of time. I mean, I I I love one thing that Dan Savage says, and he's like, you know, if you're married for fifteen years and somebody cheats once, do you? consider that successful. Right. Right. Totally. You know, like in any other profession situation, you know, I mean, if you look at baseball, which I'm going to do an atrocious job because I don't (laughs) know dick about baseball, but there's something about batting averages and like all of the professional baseball players have these crazy averages where it's like, you know, they miss most of the time. Right. So how can that be the norm for a professional athlete? But then if you fuck up once in a relationship, right, that's apparently you just throw it all down the drain. Yeah. But again, like you said, then like what are the um, the ultimatums? What are the what are those things of like what is too much that you can't take that you do throw it out with? Right. And also, I love the question of what defines a successful relationship, because now being divorced and not being in that polyamorous relationship anymore, many people are like, so oh, it you didn't failed. work. Yes. It's viewed as such a failure. And I'm like, I did a decade. I was literally married for 10. We were married for 10. Yeah. So we were like, that's amazing. <laughs> a decade long relationship. In Hollywood, poly, that's that's forever. Totally. I mean, And Polly for six, that is so successful to me. And the things we were able to achieve in that of like vacations and holidays, like these things that are just like- Milestones. Yes. And like when my boyfriend, he got a hip replacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all in the art, like we're all performers and he's a dancer. And so he got a hip Your replacement. Boyfriend's 85, that's fine. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but I remember um, it like just sticks out to me so beautifully. So he was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, 
dealing with that. And I had to like perform on Good Morning America really early in the morning. And so my husband had came. To. I had to. I'm so it was such a it was torture. It was Honestly, congrats. Torture. I don't even know what it's for, Thank but I'm you. proud. I'm proud. Love. Congrats for but you. It was like my husband came and tapped me out mm-hmm. and slept by his bedside. Mm. And it's like Polly to me looked like those moments. It wasn't about that I was having sex with two men, that I was with these two, and they were both like gorgeous. And like none of that, what mattered to me were these lovely moments where we held each other up when we were struggling and it it was the family aspect of it. And it was so successful. We saw through tragedy in our lives. The three of us have each went through huge life shattering moments and had two other support system there. It's like almost that um, I'm pretty woo woo as a human, but I really think the universe gifted us each other in that in that time. So we had more than one to help us through life. And is that what you would like to recreate in having kids? I would, or I just love the structure of, um, I've seen some beautiful poly family examples. Okay. And these kids get to grow up with such a support network. So it's like if mom is at work, then other mom can be home and dad's home that night. Or like there's just more people around to raise them. Mm -hmm. And something that I do really love that Esther Pearl talks about a ton is like the village and the community that we've really lost that back in the day there were like communities raised kids Mm -hmm. and there were like i mean even we just don't experience this in la or new york where it's like you know you have your group of friends in the neighborhood and everyone runs out and then you're all over several of their mom's house and Mm -hmm. for like the night or the weekend and we just don't quite live in that that growing up yeah yeah and it's like you're raised by all these other families and you get these other viewpoints and so i would love for my kids to just have multiple people that they're growing up with and also learning that like I wish we all saw from a younger age you know I grew up with pretty progressive parents but still felt like my divorce was a failure and I would love to show kids that relationships come and go and some stand the test of time and some are just for a season but love can be present throughout Mm -hmm. all of that Mm -hmm. and so to be the example sort of why I asked you what you define as a relationship I mean yeah. And also like how you define love. I mean, mm. I think that in I'm going to I'm about to make a weird fucking parallel. So bear with me. I but love it. I think in the same way that we have we consider sex to be penetrative sex. That's like sex is that. Right. The same thing goes for a successful relationship. It's like, oh, it's you get married and no one ever cheats and you die happily ever after. Totally. As opposed to maybe thinking about what happiness is on a day-to-day and what love looks like on a day-to-day and then trying to recreate that. Yes. I agree so wholeheartedly. They talk about like the relationship escalator Mm -hmm. of like people think it's successful. You date, you seriously date, you move in together, Mm -hmm. you get engaged, you get married, you have kids, you buy the house, you do the... And you're just like, wow. So that's the one example we get. Nothing else. Right. Yeah. Yet divorce rates are so high. And I don't know the statistics, statistics on it. But I bet it's probably like around 50, 50 oh, wait, now. No, it's, oh, sorry. It's 51%. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Divorce rate? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so like, how are we not normalizing that more as like successes also? I was with this person for a season mm-hmm. and- You're still friends. That's yeah. to me success. Oh. oh my gosh. I'm friends with the men that I dated that didn't cheat on me. Totally. And that's just truly because I also have like learned things where I'm like, oh, you trash. And like, I don't want trash in my life. So totally. bye. But also betrayal is so, um, that makes such sense to me. Sure. And in my divorce, no one betrayed the other. You right. Know, no of one. Course. Of and course. of course, there's... it was still heinous. Divorce is horrible. Mm. Even the best divorce is horrible. 
And it took years and a lot of pain for the two of us. But to be able to come out the other side as friends. Yeah. Would you ever get married again? Ooh, I debate this all the time. Yeah. Well, just given given what you just said about divorce and also what does it even what does marriage even mean? I mean, if if a relationship, if you're defining a relationship as sort of the day to day or as the cultivation of love. Right. Marriage is much more of a legal binding contract. Look, I know you like the, the Google Docs. <laughs> I do so like maybe this Docs. is up your alley. <laughs> but then... You know, and knowing what you hope to achieve in this next season of your life. Yeah, I'd be curious to know if marriage is even a goal. Ooh, I really debate it. Pros. Legal pros. I don't know. I always got a tax return until I got married and then I didn't get tax returns anymore. So I was literally like, I was like, is there people are like, there's a tax benefit to being married, but like literally prove it. I did not see that. (laughs) But I love the benefit. Well, I love Uh, if you're in a hospital, your spouse can get to you. My boyfriend, when I was in the hospital, could not come visit me without a complete and total rigmarole, but my husband could walk right in. Mm -hmm. And so there's no way to kind of structure that. And I know gay couples dealt with that for the longest time. And just like it's horrible of being like that document means then you can get access access in a time of crisis. Yeah. And so I understand if I were to have kids. Power of attorney, all of that stuff is really, yeah. Is huge. And like when you're trying to protect people, but I need to look up if you can draw those documents up in any other legal way. I know you cannot be married to more than one person legally, which is still so wild to me. Because again, it's like, what is marriage? Like, what does that mean? So you can only legally be bound to one person specifically. But what if you drew it up differently? I would be like spiritually, romantically married again, for sure. Getting married paperwork wise is so easy and getting divorced is so hard. Yeah. It took it and it just sits in a system. It was all I this was all during the pandemic as well. And it sat in an e-filing system for eight months. And there's nothing I could do. And it's just like you're just in this like purgatory and then like name change and like all of these things. It was really difficult. And again, I think marriage is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> like marriage is how you define it too. So it's like, would I like that level of commitment with someone? Again, I would. With multiple people, maybe. Yeah. But I'm really iffy on it. So now that you're single and dating. I gotta go. <laughs> gotta go. Sweating. Gotta go. <laughs> Sweating. What? And you're and and you're open and you're poly and you're seeing a lot of people who are pretending to be that. But what are what do you think the biggest misconceptions about being ethically non-monogamous or polyamorous are? And what are you running into? I'm running into and I'm very it's so funny. The way in which I have entered the dating pool is like baby toe. Like a belly flop? Oh nope, like baby toe. Like full I am pretty terrified of everybody. But it's more so I find a lot of misconceptions with myself of like, oh she's poly, oh she's open, she's a good time, but not dating material and not long term material. Where it's like, oh, she's for fun and we're gonna have a great time and this whole thing. But if I'm really gonna look to settle down with someone, she's not that option. And that breaks my heart because I am looking for relationships. Yeah. So they assume you're slutty. Yes. And I'm actually the least slutty I've ever been right now in being because, again, it's like almost or if I wanted to be, I almost feel like I can't be because then that perpetuates the like poly girl doing whatever she wants out here. Sure, sure. When I'm like, no, I want intellectual and emotional and romantic connection with people. And like I'm trying to build trust with other people. And transparency and openness. And so I find that more with men or same with women or I'm much less versed in dating women properly. Sure. Versus like having like hookups or anything like that with them. The women I'm encountering currently right now are the most incredible, unsurprisingly to me, incredible, emotionally mature, communicative, loving, wonderful humans. Mm. And I see dating so much clearer with them. Oh, interesting. Though desire-wise right now, I think I'm just more inclined to be attracted to men in a specific way. Or I don't know. I'm, I'm like really trying to Navigating figure out that. with what that is for me. But I find with women, the 
availability for communication is so present early on. On a first or second date, you can open up about all of this sure, and have a great ear. And with men, I'm finding that not to be the way. But what I'm finding a lot with men right now, men want to have a full relationship. They want to have a full thing and then just truly not call it that. They want to oh, have. They, they want, want to their ha- cake. Oh yeah, and then they want to eat it too. Yes, and it's less about the and like. Also get like cupcakes. Oh, you know, and fully a full buffet of other things as well. And that is it. Really boggles my mind because again, I'm not looking for monogamy. Yeah. So I'm like, why can't we call this a relationship? A spade. A spade. <laughs> right. But they want companionship. They want sex. They want consistency. They want all of these things. And then, I mean, we're seeing this. I mean, it's jokes all over TikTok. Of course. And then the yeah. moment a girl's like, so what are we doing? The guy Skirt. runs for the hills. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And I don't I don't mean to gender this as much as I am, but I do find it to be that way in experience and through hearing my friends talk about it. Like, what is that phenomenon that we are so afraid of commitment or um, the word people don't want expectations? There are plenty of healthy expectations. We I expect, also think we all have expectations. Of course. And like, so many of them just are natural. Are brilliant like i had the dentist this morning the dentist expected that i would be there <laughs> because i mean and, and i expected and that's how them. your dentist and my dentist are different <laughs> no a dead ass my dentist will text me they text me they email me then they text me they're like are you coming in like, like, same get day, out like of bed. hey just just want to remind you hey we haven't heard from you and i'm like yeah because i'm trying to ghost you but after three <laughs> text messages i'm starting to feel very guilty and then i'm like fuck i didn't cancel so i show up anyway this is not about my dentist that's so funny wait <laughs> honestly i love that but but expectations so then you're dentist knows they have the expectation that you're trying to ghost them they're like she's slippery right totally but like expectations are so normal but everyone right now is like i don't want anyone to expect anything from me literally why we're adults we're literal adults and these are human hearts that we're dealing with and you can even be dealing with someone's heart if you're just having sex with them i don't understand why there isn't a bigger movement of being better to each other right now Mm -hmm. in any way shape or form like don't we just want to be good to each other whether it's a one-night stand or whether it's a 15-year-long marriage yeah. or a lifelong marriage. Like, yeah. let's be good to each other. But this, Regardless. Yes. Yeah. But this whole, like, we're making people placeholders until something better comes along or we're not willing to negotiate our wants and needs because that's too scary or it makes it too real. And I'm just obsessed with men feel, finding things to be too much expectation and too real. Y'all, we're 30. <laughs> like, you have big boy jobs and we're we're big kids yeah. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there are expectations there. And also, like, we're, I don't know, I'm just, like, so baffled at the way that people are acting like we're all 12 and you're like, ooh, I like you. And I'm going to do all the things I like you, but, like, I don't want to do too much about that. So it's interesting. You're seeing, basically, Polly being perverted. Yes. Through dating app culture. Yes. And then also finding people who have multiple meaningful relationships with others mm-hmm. and some that go on. You know, I have friends who have seen like the same three guys for a year or two. Sure. But none of them are in a relationship and no one's like talked about anything. And she deals with her own kind of turmoil on that of being mm. like, you know, she's like, I'm 31 and I want to have kids and like time is ticking. But none of these three men want to do it that want to like m- take any steps forward, though they do. They hypothetically can talk about family and kids, but they're not ready to do that now. And so but then also one of like the guys knows that she's seeing other people, but then like the other others don't. And it was like, where is the like we just put it out all on the table sure. and can deal with like reality right. of human desires, wants, needs, expectations. Also, like if you date someone you can get out of it this whole like my good lord you're going to be locked down for the rest of your life like you got out of a divorce totally yeah 
So anyway, it's it's been very interesting to kind of navigate that being understood, but also trying to understand what's happening out there. And so I'm quick on the communication front with anyone of being like, you know, also when people are like, well, what are you looking for before we meet? And being like, well, I'm looking to meet you in person to like understand who you are as a human being. <laughs> But yeah, secondly, to see like, if I even vibe with you as a person. Totally. And then from that vibey point, if it's like a dating situation, I guess, you know, I say that like I'm not really interested in long term monogamy. Sure. Though some I don't know, maybe that would be the thing. But you just don't know until you know and can decide and make those decisions together. But I haven't found anyone yet who's willing to even get to the point to wanting to make decisions together. I find lots of situations where I either feel I have all the power mm. and I'm making the decisions and calling the shots and someone's kind of along for my ride mm -hmm. or I'm along for their ride. Interesting. And that's very interesting. And I find that to be a lot of other people too, like a lot of my female friends with these guys. Mm. They're just like, great, well, then I'm just going to let it be because I like spending time with him. So I'm just not going to bring up yep. my wants to the yep. table because I know they'll be rejected. Yep. And you're like, literally, yikes. Yeah. When you <laughs> figure this out, like when you get into your next relationship where you have met someone and you've figured that out, do you promise to come back and share that story? Oh, I will bring them here and I'll be like, I wanted to have a conversation yes. and decide things together and not pull power plays. And my therapist talks about object constancy a lot. What's that? So it's like if I put this here. It's and a I, liquid death oh, can for people <laughs> listening to the show. <laughs> liquid death water. Sparkling and I'm putting water, it on we love table. it. And if I walk into the other room, I expect when I come back that that can is going to be at the same spot I left it. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting thing with relationships right now, too, is that there's not a lot of object constancy. Mm. So you can be having a great thing going with someone. They go away for the weekend and they come back and it's as if it's like they're a different person or oh. the situation has completely oh changed. God. I was, this is a few years ago, but I was dating this guy. We were dating. We had a conversation on Friday about how he really liked me and wanted to see where this was going. Uh -huh. And it was like, well, let's make this official. Mm -hmm. On Monday, I dead ass got a text message from him, which I have co-opted to use as my breakup text for everybody. But <laughs> um, he, and then Playboy literally did an article about don't ghost, just lie. So this is the text. He was like, I recently reconnected with an ex and I need to see where it goes. So like I need to follow that, blah, blah, blah. Okay. He's now married with kids to her. So like, God bless. He okay. was he made the right move. But I remember being like, my guy, what happened this weekend totally. that we went from being a thing to now you're back with your ex? Like, right. that's fucking cray cray. It is cray cray. And also what's cray cray is you weren't given an option in that. Nope. You were informed. I was informed. Yes. That. Everything you thought was true on Friday is now no longer true. And usually now what happens at this state is like kind of like and there's no room for negotiation. Which is crazy because no had I realized like the depths and the I mean, they're they're they got married. They have kids. Plural. Totally. Beautiful. Like love that for them. Yeah. Um, And this was several years ago. So like he made the right choice. But like I would have said yes. Right. Go on Godspeed. He had right. never had sex with a girl in her period. I was the first one. Wow. And probably the last one. But which is <laughs> so crazy. Like obviously that was not going to be my guy, you know, but. <laughs> but it is. It's these things of. um, And again, people are allowed to change. We are allowed to grow. We are allowed to grow closer in things, away from things. But there is this huge trend right now. Oh, there's a beautiful article out about it. About. Wait, we were talking about it. The therapy article yes. about like yes. someone being toxic and then we're actually like toxic walking. Toxic therapy. Yes. But that we're also walking into situations being like, I'm going to tell you how this is going to go. And I don't even want to hear your response because that's putting too much on me. Right. We have stopped. I can't handle this or my yes. therapist thinks I don't need to deal this or this is not good for my health or whatever. Oh. Hearing someone else's response is no longer good for our mental health, and we are losing the yeah. skill of negotiation. We're also losing the skill of empathy, yeah. care, yeah. Uh, having good bedside manner, literally, right. figuratively. Selfishness is great, but to a point. Yes. And we are. We're in this whole I put myself first, which, again, so many great components and so many people did not learn those tenets 
when they were younger so great. But also we are now in this age of people are just informing people Mm -hmm. of what's happening. And that is wild because that just would have been different had he sent you a text being like, this is what how about this? This is what happened this weekend. I know I said this on Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh my gosh, I get so on people. My biggest communication pet peeve is when someone cannot acknowledge that they said something different or that their actions are against their words. Right. Because it's just a thing of being like, hey, on Friday, I know I said this to you. And I really meant it when I said it. And then I had this experience this weekend. And I'm so sorry, but this is what happened. And this is what I'm feeling now. A hundred. Yeah. That's good communication. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't understand why we can't do that. So to wrap it up, it sounds like for you, this poly lifestyle has gone hand in hand with communication and Mm. trust. It's less about sex than it is about building emotional consistency and relationships with people. Yes. So on that note, what is the best love advice you've ever been given? To leave people better than you found them. And I have done that and I have not done that. And I have so I don't try and live in regret in this. But even with how I ended my marriage and the relationship with my boyfriend, I wish I would have done it with more grace and more love. And when someone said that to me, I don't even remember who said that to me, leave people better than you found them. That is not always easy to do, but I think it's something really worthy to strive to do. Mm. And whether that be, again, a one night stand or a lifelong marriage or any of that, how can we impact people for the better? We have been the victims of being really messed up by others. And how can we make a conscious effort to not continue that pattern and, you know, stop that with us? I'm obsessed with that answer. Paloma, if people (laughs) want more of you, how do they find you? You can find me trying to figure out social media on all <laughs> platforms. Not really sure how to do it and not really sure how I feel about it. But Instagram's the best bet, at Paloma Garcia Lee. Great. I will link it below in the show notes. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, this was amazing. Oh, my gosh. We could go we forever. We could truly do this We could for go like forever. 14 years. That's just so much <laughs> on it, you know? And it is like the modern dating landscape it's is crazy. like... I'm, more, I'm mortified. Hey guys, this is a call for stories. If you have a dating story, I would love to hear it. And it can be 100% anonymous. Just shoot me an email at the address linked below in the show notes. Regardless, thanks again for listening and see you next Tuesday. 